Hello there. Welcome. Hiya. You okay? Yes, I have my guest today, Kenward Garg, has joined me on the Aureus Press, and he is uh, an interior designer who studied architecture, I believe, generally. Uh, I studied, a, I did a, a BA in, in interior design, yeah. uh, stroke interior design, stroke interior architecture, and then um, I did a master's, or should we say, a postgraduate certificate in low carbon building design, uh, which was using uh, passive strategies to try and reduce the amount of fossil fuels that buildings use. And, uh, when the, and then after that, I finished it off with a master's in uh, energy and sustainable building design um, to kind of like do, to learn how to calculate and to sort of like use um, a way of calculating and reporting on um, the amount of energy that is used, the amount of energy that is lost. So I'd say I'm a multi, I have a multidisciplinary approach towards the uh, built environment. Right, very interesting, yeah. So you came uh, from a very ecological perspective, you might say. Um, I came from the perspective of um, the reason why I, I studied uh, interior architecture in 1995. And as most young men do at 2021, they have no intention of studying, but just having a good laugh. <laughs> um, but, um, there was one time I decided to do a project and the guy who was the course leader I used to, I still refer to him as the Alex Ferguson of the interior design world. He was a Scottish man called John Novak. Okay. And he was one of those men that uh, a man like myself meets. And there's no, there's no way that you would mess around with him. He sees a liar straight away. So I had, I had straight away respect for the man. One day I decided to do a project and um, he was gushing about it. And then basically he kicked me out of the course at the end of it and said, uh, you're talented, but you're lazy. So um, I kind of like that life where you go out to work and you go out you mess about and um uh, what cut that look cut this long story short but i ended up leaving england and going to travel around southeast india and southeast asia oh, and then uh, while i was in southeast asia i was living in the foothills of the himalayas and it was that one-time experience for me where architecture and nature are in harmony Right. I was just sitting there, sort of uh, minding my own business, just staring out. And then this thought came to me that the, pe the people of Manchester would love this. So the Manchester itself is the heart of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And uh, it's also a city that's starved of its connection to nature. So I came back and I tried to carry on as I normally did. I went back to accountancy. I was miserable doing it. And then I was just sat one day. I decided what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I went... And I thought of John Novak's words, he goes, you're talented, but you're lazy. So I decided to give 100% of my, um, everything that I had to study in interior design again. Yeah. And the, always the underpinning of was how am I, as an interior designer, going to reconnect people with nature again? And you kind of like studying it and you're, you're getting to sort of like a very, very superficial level of um, how to basically change interior space. And then you, you know, like how do you incorporate nature? And one of them was through low carbon building design, which is uh, bringing the uh, energy of the sun in. And so learning that, so it was like, it was quite a, like a, a process of uh, me going there, realizing that I had some talent and some predilection for design, but then uh, trying to learn about life that, um, you know, what do you want in life? And then you start to realize as you grow older, you know what I mean? It's, it's time to stop messing around. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Time to do yeah. With your life. So is there is there like an Eastern element to these designs you do? As... Um, there's definitely definitely an Eastern element. I mean, uh, my first inspiration was always Thailand. Uh, the Thais 
um, because of their Buddhist, uh, first of all, the country is predominantly Buddhist. Mm. And so um, throughout that sort of like period, as soon as you start heading more east away from Thailand, the architecture spaces themselves always have a Buddhist influence. And um, so I was heavily influenced by Thai, especially Northern Thai. They call it like uh, Thai Lana architecture. And um, it's just a very basic sort of, what you could, you could refer to it as basic. It's wooden, um, basically construction by a uh, very beautiful construction of um, spaces where there's usually a, a room, a small bathroom, and there was always a veranda. What happens is, is as, as a person experiencing that, you're going from an interior space straight to an exterior space that's part of the interior. Right. You start to realize that if there's a flow there and you, you're, in, if you're in connection with nature, there's a whole different experience of how you experience space, internal space and exterior space. So that was heavily influenced by that. And then, of course, um, I was always... Um, I mean, I think uh, Japan is the mecca of design and architecture. Um, to me, oh. it's the place. Yeah, I was there. I was there for a little while. I remember there, you'd have like a tiny little space that would be like a closet to us, but they'd have it organized so that you could have like an office and a and a side room, and it would seem all just like perfect and fine. Mm. They, they were masters of like manipulating space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with Dutch. I did um, a. Uh, I've always, I always appreciated Dutch architecture, so I went and did an um, uh, interior design placement for a Dutch architectural firm in The Hague yeah. called uh, Atelier Pro. Right. And um, they, they were well known as the great manipulators of space. Mm. So in terms of uh, when we're talking about architecture, I mean, one of, one of the things is about architecture is uh, the manipulation of space. Yeah. And um, if you have the fundamental principles in place, then you can manipulate a space however you want it. You can, either, you can either make it a very negative space or you can make it a very positive space. And um, if we're looking at like uh, modern architecture today, um, I, th I believe those principles have been um, outright, if not outright rejected, on a, definitely on a uh, like ideological level. Um, we're basically talking about um, a capitalist approach towards architecture. And, um, yeah, yeah. The idea of space itself and being a place of uh, harmony with nature, a place of healing, is um, we, we, oh. we look at it as like, um, I think somebody once said, there's a difference between a house and a home. Yeah. A house is where you look at it as a commodity. Yeah. But there's a home, you know, and the home is, is that place where um, anything can happen, really. It's your sense of sanctuary, privacy. Yeah. It can inspire you. It can also depress you. And yeah. So, me, yeah. They started with the the modernism and the aspects of it that were sort of nonsensical and which threw away all the anything traditional about the design but that then yeah. joined forces with the, the capitalist uh paring down forces which did everything on the cheap and ever cheaper and you know everything's yeah. just pure functionality in terms of cost really so then that that marriage has created this uh incredible uh void of ugliness and like like you say all the old principles or anything to do with uh creating happiness or joyful spaces well, I, where anything is gone i had a first first hand experience of it my uh, mother's from kenya and my father's from india and when they came to manchester they would stick the immigrants in a place called hume um and hume uh was one of those uh um, a village or something no it's um hume um, is just outside the city center 
and uh, Hume was one of those first experimental places and um, in England where the post-war boom they took the idea of Le Corbusier's skies, uh, streets in the sky. Oh God, right. And uh, what happened was, was uh, they did it on a low budget. Um, one of my old next door neighbors, he told me that at the end, you know what I mean? They were running out of money and they were just, um... so anyway, they created these uh, so-called streets in the sky. Yeah. And uh, I was born there, I was uh, lived there till about, I was older and um, I remember very vividly as you watch television, you see a very, very quintessential, um, uh, what you call home in England of um, uh, stone, um, beautiful proportions, but also that uh, garden. And the contrast between the two was quite profound for me, even as a child. Yeah. And looking at these concrete sort of like um, uh, towers. And then there's this other part of the, uh, there's other part of the world somewhere in the world architecture is not like this or as you say a home's not like this so even at a young child i was very aware of the stark contrast between what you would call traditional architecture and the architecture that i was um, living in and uh, hanging around in yeah so um i've always had a very like this very uh, thing that like there's a strange there's a huge contrast and uh, that contrast is um profound between yeah, it's amazing to me that uh, more people don't the average people don't seem to notice or they don't care i don't know i mean maybe they do but they just feel powerless but i'd say, I'd say it's indoctrination from the media yeah um you, you you're told i mean what you're doing is you're told what you should like yeah and uh, what happens is is um most people know what they're like but they're not confident to say it because you sound like you're um you, you sound like some sort of like uh, neo luddite who wants to go back to the past. Yeah. But for some reason, there's kind of like this like um, blind spot that like anything of the past is um, going mm -hmm. backwards supposedly. Yeah. And so, in the need to progress, we can't mm -hmm. look at the past. But I, I actually wrote my dissertation on it, and what we have is is um, we had the like in essence, it was a Marxist philosophy of uh, the well, bourgeois. Of course, of course, you did. Uh, the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. Now, what we're looking at, ironically, is a proletariat type of architecture mm. that's been embraced by capitalism. Yeah. So the, the whole ideological basis of modernism is um, fundamentally flawed in so many ways. But uh, who, who, we as people who absor uh, absorb mainstream media, whenever these things actually are discussed or even broached within the whole paradigm it's, it's very rare you know what i mean you shut down and people like me and you you know what i mean we'd be um we'd either be ridiculed i don't even think we'd be invited on and we'd be ridiculed <laughs> no. you know and uh, it's it's that like kind of like thing that you push people like me and you out to the fringes and yeah. um, that's what happens and the mainstream sort of like uh, paradigm and narrative is all about you know glass steel and all yeah. these kind of like you know and if you talk about like the old ways i mean like you know you're basically they're looking at you like you've uh, you've just come off another planet. Yeah. Well, that someone someone on uh, made a comment on on the Twitter once to a post they made said it was the modernism in uh, architecture was the language of business and it's sort of expected uh, business wise as you have to love it or pretend to love it or you know we're putting up these endless uh, industrial parks. These things drive me crazy. It's the most soulless yeah. life. Everything about it's so depressing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Business in itself is is um, when 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 the underlying motive is money, 
and everything's lost because yeah. um, I, I've worked while I was studying, I was working in bars and I worked in three bars for a number of period of years in between. And um, the original uh, owners, they all they wanted was like a place where they, uh, them and their friends could drink. So they created these beautiful interiors, created these beautiful spaces. And then before you know it, the bottom line starts approaching. And one day you could just tell that there's a subtle difference between what was something that had spirit and something that now is a spirit based on money. And before you know it, within a year or two, they're closed. Because yeah, yeah. Even, even consciously, you may not be aware of it, but subconsciously, you know that there's, there's no spirit anymore from these things. Well, there's no point. You, they're all working towards this goal that is just making more money. That is, it's not just that it's not fulfilling, but it, it's like when you focus entirely on function and throw away form, then the function itself loses, is get, gets lost because the two have to be, there has to be like a balance there. Like in yeah. Aristotle or Plato would say, harmony is involved in everything, balance and harmony, like always. Balance of harmony. And then there was a gentleman called Alan Watts who once said... Um, oh, he's great. Uh, I love him, yeah. Uh, money is to wealth like a menu is to food. So the, <laughs> what, you try, what, what you try and do is you say, that um, you know, how do we define wealth? And what, what we have is, is pretty on a mainstream level, is wealth is defined by how much money you've got. But um, I think I was reading something the other day. Once you've paid your rent, once you've paid your mortgage, once you've paid your bills, yeah. then and you get your food and all that, anything above that in terms of happiness is negligible. You, you, mm. you won't become more happier the more that you get. And what the idea is, is we've been kind of like programmed to believe that wealth is about money and it's about material things. But wealth is also about um, friends, family, um, being in connection with nature, uh, books, reading, yeah. taking time to sit and think. And mm. that can be wealth in itself. But um, in terms of space, you, you can't say to somebody, let's design a space where people can meditate. Because mm. where do we make the money from? Well, you can make money if you want. But really, the underlying principles of why we create spaces is, is um, the idea of like, you know, that it's... Um, there's a philosophical approach that I suppose I'm taking with my own company. And uh, I do believe we're heading into a kind of um, world where the, this paradigm of um, uh, kind of like what you call a socialist capitalist architecture based on function rather than form and rejecting nature. I think we're, I think like uh, the, the, the lockdown was a, a wake up call, but um, that paradigm is, um, is, is, is eventually is bankrupt you know what i mean uh, well i think yeah but there i think there's there's great force in their huge lie there has been for a while there's they still have momentum i think we're in a stage of slavery already without realizing it and moving into like open slavery of a kind that's even more horrifying than probably ever existed in a way if like because people, um, like the, the people don't see their shackles like we can talk about it and uh, metaphorically or whatever but really like as you say if everyone gets pushed into these hive work cubes that are soulless with goals that aren't even determined beyond making their masters more money without like you know even slaves working on the pyramids had a goal and they could say hey i, I worked on the pyramids mm -hmm. <laughs> i know that sounds uh, ironic but like it's, there's an element yeah. to that without, ha without having a goal that's furthering a real uh value or um, virtue yeah beyond capital then you're not doing anything you're wasting your life well well we're, we're in a we're in a period of uh, virtue signaling <laughs> and uh, the 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 irony of all that is is most people who are doing the virtue signaling have no virtues and they're just basically latching onto virtues 
And um, we're, that's why I think um, there's, there's become a, I'd say, I'd say there's what you would call a great chasm that's opening up. And um, if, if you look at it conceptually, I refer to the media as the matrix. And I think everything within the matrix. And then I do believe it might be me projecting my uh, reality. But I think people are stepping away from that reality of um, TV, of uh, going to work nine to five. And within that three month period where people had, didn't have the distractions of work, didn't have the distractions of the pub and the bar, people started to spend more time at home. People stop, I've, I've spoke to people who started painting again, started reading again, watched their favorite films. And in essence, this is a, what you call creative art. Yeah. And I think in that period, people, there was a lot of people who found their, refound their creativity again. Yeah. And there's always that concept that um, you plant a seed. So the seed has been planted over that over the last four months mm -hmm. and a seed takes time to grow. And so what you're happening in is, is um, you've got the matrix sort of like telling people, Oh no, no, things are going to, things are the normal. But the thing, there's a huge disconnect from, I think it's like, um, it's, I think it was public, uh, public enemy or said it, the revolution will not be televised. They will not tell people. And so what happened is there's a revolution going on in terms of maybe consciousness. And um, you can hear it, you know, with people saying, right, well, now that I've been able to work from home, why would I go to the office now? Zoom is available for us to sort of like discuss with each other. So people are spending more time at home. And you notice, I don't know if it's anecdotal evidence, that people are going to the garden centres and they're actually creating more uh, nature within their own homes. And with the mortgage, well, I, like right. I like your optimism, and I hope you're right. But I mean, even as we speak, even while this is going on, I know not far from here, and I can hear a drill going on in the background of, of your. Yeah, place. that's a, somebody's doing a landscaping work on and their back garden. Here, not far from here, a totally soulless uh, complex is going up of apartments, like cheap and stupid looking, worse than Corbusier could ever have imagined. I mean, mm. this, this is ongoing. This building of these things and these hive structures. Mm. Uh, you know, like I, I enjoy your optimism about the COVID and the rest of it, and I would hope that I'm, I'm sure a certain percentage of people will, will wake up. But I think so, I mean, man. It, it takes um, it takes time for things to happen, and um, mm. if you notice, like, if, yeah, I mean, they're gonna uh, the the uh, money men are gonna carry on regardless. I mean, it's like where you like you walk off a cliff, you know what I mean, and you. you you don't really know what you're doing because you're so ideologically sort of like wedded towards the idea of this is my job. This is the job that I'm supposed to do. And everybody just wants to carry sometimes in essence that they try to find some normality in everything, but deep down inside, you know what I mean? How many of them, their hearts are in it and they're all thinking different things and wanting to do different things. And I'd say that like, you know, the, the some things will carry on. The matrix will still exist, yeah. but, um, it all depends on each person's uh, kind of like journey in life, but I'd say a lot. I'd say a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? And the only way that you really find these people is by you changing yourself, and by you'll find these people. And if you decide to stay in the matrix and do that thing, then you will stay within the people who wish to do the same thing. And it's all about kind of like a what you call to two sets of different realities. One that's based on the kind of like so-called matrix, and then the other one is. Um, People want to be connect with nature again. They actually want to spend time with their friends and family, and they yeah. actually just want a, a, a new a work life balance. And I think that's what's happening. And um, the the two need to separate somehow. <laughs> there has to be. Uh, the two need to separate in, in in what sense? Well, the 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 corporate people are going to continue to erect their hive structures all around us unless we hmm. 
had some, you know, more civic control. I mean, there's places like there's places here that do where the council exercises control on building based on traditional values and so forth. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful places to go. Yeah, but yeah. Places where they don't care, they don't give a shit, and then all these things go up and the whole place is ruined and no one wants to be there except the the hive workers. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know, like would they as long as the money makes things move, so as long as the money centered, focused people are the way they are, they'll really have control over us. I don't know. Like you think you think you feel we can break through to these people eventually um i think um uh some things are inevitable even if people don't want to realize it i mean the whole system itself is um to me is bankrupt mm. and yeah. um the, there is there is going to be some real um I, I don't think we've seen half of it of what actually is going to come in terms of uh, civic society i think uh the the the, the, the get, I've been saying it for a few years, but I've always thought it would come, you know what I mean? Uh, 2007, 2008 was just a small sort of like uh, example. And like, you, like you've just said, everybody carries on regardless and they're doing it. But there was a lot of people who, who saw it in 2008. And, and even if you look at like the mainstream sort of like uh, what's going on in the mainstream, even they're intoning these certain things, but they'll have their vested interests and there'll be some conventional wisdom that carry on. But even, even the mainstream, I mean, like labor, they tried with the green deal. They tried with the sort of like um, certain aspects of things. And um, even like me and you uh, just talking right now, yeah. um, these, these, these discussions may, may never have happened. Um, and, and it's just the fact that sometimes you've, um, you've got to concentrate on yourself and not really matter what anybody else does because um you have your own sort of like a uh, spirit with inside of you that, that wants to do something. And, um, I do believe that if you have that spirit and you talk to people about that spirit and there'll be other people who will join and it's just a sort of like snowball effect, you know, uh, four or five people and 10 to 50 people. And before you know it, the uh, paradigm shifts and people start going, they're speaking from what I really want. And it's all a matter of, um, a kind of like a groundswell and a different change, you know, changing consciousness, the changing how people perceive things. And you've got a great, kind. you've got a great white pilling um, optimism. Is that did you get that in Tibet as well when you were? Um, I got that from uh, experiences in life where just things of like um, I've, I've looked at the I look I look at like uh, let's say for example you look at like the history of architecture and you see some of the most incredible structures. I mean the one thing that blew my mind was uh, Angkor Wat. I was lucky to visit Angkor Wat in Cambodia. Yeah. And um, so I've experienced it with my own two eyes, my own senses, and um, I, I read a lot and I research a lot, and I get the feeling that um, uh, we've had the we, we, we've been. Uh, you feel like I, the worst is over or coming I feel like the worst there's going to be a climax soon that's going to be some like fairly disastrous and yeah then, and maybe uh, change yeah I, I, I do believe we've kind of had that already this year and um, at the start of the year somebody said um, some wise soul once said a long time ago 2020 is hindsight so <laughs> so what we all oh, hindsight is 2020 so in, in essence, we're living in 2020 now, 2021, 2022, 2023. We'll look back at this time and we're like, wow. Do you know what I mean? We, hindsight, now we can look back on that and see what's going on. And I just feel that like, again, if you trust the media, you believe that this reality is happening. 
but because I'm uh, that's I trust the thing though more people more people trust it and believe it than I ever actually realized I thought there were, the, the internet had been a major sea change but and in a way it has and I think a lot of them get their info now from like Instagram celebrities or something but mm. uh, I still see a lot of people just following the, the narrative that's fed to them more so than I thought even recently recent events made me think I think uh, when you have such a um, when you have such, I mean, like uh, you must have had moments in your life where uh, you were just something hit you really hard, and yeah. it took you a while to get your head around it. Do you know what I mean? Like um, we were, as for me, you know, I've had moments in my life where like either I've had a really bad relationship and it's like broke your heart, or you've seen things, poverty, and it's broke your heart. And there's a number of aspects in life. What you do, you just carry on regardless because you're so shook up and you're just kind of like you're in a bit of a shock to begin with. Mm. And uh, then what happens is, is um, I'd, I'd say when you're when you're shocked so much, you, you dig in deeper, and then all of a sudden you dig in and you're like, nah, that can't be right. Do you know what I mean? That can't be right. I can't. So they be just right. need more time. You think you think it's happened, and they need more time. It's inevitable. I think. I, I think it's inevitable. I think. Um, I've the the main mainly people that I, what I do is is I, I use a lot of um, I trust what I, what's in my reality, not what the reality of the TV is or what social media is. What do I see with my own eyes? What do I feel? What do I believe in? Like what history has taught us? And um, I speak to a lot of people, and I just get the impression that um, the the media the media or you call it, the Matrix has a, a very strong pull on people. Yeah. But, I think they're slowly but surely sort of like the amount of like things that have happened in a few months where like you say things and you think people are just going to react out loud and they're like, Oh no, no, I know about that too. And you're like, no way, man, you know about that too. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right. Okay. So uh, I think they'll, 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 t they'll tell you, you know what I mean? The, the, the mainstream media will tell you a lot of things, but I, I, since the Iraq war and the invaded Iraq, I was sat there when Tony Blair said, um, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction that would reach the British mainland in 45 minutes. I knew that was a lie because there are no-fly zones. And ever since then, I've never trusted them. So I've never really absorbed uh, mainstream media for the last 17 years. Oh, well, yeah. I've just trusted uh, like, uh, what you'd call scholars, uh, people who are on the fringes of society, who talk about passionately about their subjects. And in terms of architecture, um, you'll get, when I was studying, you, you, most of the teachers and most of the professors that I dealt with, they're all into like smart, smart buildings. And uh, I remember doing one um, and then they were on this another thing called hybrid architecture, which yeah. basically was um, getting a computer, distorting the, the form as much as you wanted without yeah. any consideration about, uh, I mean, like we've got a building in Manchester called the Urbis. And when Labour came to power, they had all these um, like uh, what you call iconic buildings. And one of them was the, the Millennium Dome. But we had one in Manchester called the Urbis. So they created this form. And what happens, what's happened over the years is they can't use it because the function's not there. So it's a waste of, it's, it's utterly a complete waste of space. Well, first of all, if they, can do anything, they, if they can do anything by like techno contrivance, like if they can do it in 3D on the computer, that's the selling point right there. Exactly, exactly. Um, the other things, like as you said, but like this, that's what I find too with the some of the eco type building, or as you said, hybrid and so forth. I mean, all they have would have to do was really look at traditional building and the, the problem is solved. Like, not entirely, you know, you can evolve from there in other ways, but all they do is like to use, they still use modern materials and cover everything in plastic 
and like you know they it's only it's, it's, it's like a full eco like in to me most of it anyways I mean, they're all mental, um, and I mean, I mean that in the way that, like, you think about things in a logical way. They had this thing called intelligent buildings, mm. and so what you're doing is you're looking at how do you make a building intelligent in terms of uh, low carbon building design, and so they had this thing where you have sensors on the window, and yeah. if the temperature the temperature gets too warm inside, the uh, sensor will pick that up and open the window. So I asked them, I said, all right, so you basically got these services. You got a service industry where somebody will come in, install that. Mm. And what happens is, is what's happened in the last 20, 30 years is you'll get somebody who'll install it. They'll ever go out of business. And then you've got somebody who'll come in and go, well, I don't know what system they're using. So the buildings become defunct by, by nature. And so the universities are basically what I would call, they're compromised. They've, they've been bought. Mm. by whoever is into these kind of like so we're looking at now as smart cities and they will all be through sort of like you know technological cities and all that and um they won't be that smart i don't think they will be uh, i don't think they will be and i think um it's just another like what you would call another disaster on the horizon where um they've got these brian buildings and i remember doing one subject one at the start of the course and it was uh, the code for sustainable homes yeah. And um, the point system was ludicrous. They had more points for out drying your clothes outside than you actually had for the building envelope. And so you've got this, there's a great architect called Howard Liddell. I don't know if you ever heard of him. No. Um, he coined the idea of eco-minimalism. Oh. And, he, and he dismissed most of these things called greenwash, you know, yeah. the kind of like uh, eco-gadgets and all these kind of things. And they're all buying into it. And yeah. I've, I rejected that outright. I think um, I, I, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm like an outright traditionalist. What I would say is you'd have a hybrid between um, some of the great uh, uh, low carbon technologies and building technologies that have come on. Yeah. But um, I think you've wrote about it a number of times in Twitter or you've, uh, um, you've said it, but like how many people when they go on holiday go to a modern city to look at modern buildings? They all exactly, go yeah. for traditional buildings traditional architecture architecture traditional spaces so even on a subconscious level they all know that they love traditional architecture they love yeah that's the, what drives me nuts yeah they're like look at this it's like a fairy tale and, I, and i'd be and i used to say well this was reality until recently you just reject it because you think you know I, I believe in progress uh, of a sort but like there is it's there they have this mania about progress where oh this new thing that's this is it this is the way we got to yeah. go they're really thinking about it like even this uh, little, this is my little workshed I'm in. I made this and I used uh, traditional lime mortar after researching problems with rising damp because this is Ireland and there's a lot of damp. And that uh, realizing it was lots to do with just the use of uh, modern cement and like avoiding, and like people now, when they do a foundation, I, re I found out like my cousin works in building in uh, London and they just tons of cement and then they cover it in plastic and then they start building on top of it. And like, this, you know, the whole issue is with the, the cement is so strong. It is stronger, but it's so strong that the building doesn't breathe. So you get yeah, damp eventually because what it wants the moist and plastic on top of it. Then you get mm. moisture inside that gets trapped. And then you got, then you got damp. Same yeah. with roof. people line roofs with plastic and seem like just love to cover everything in plastic. <laughs> well, the, um, 
that's where that's where you're tying with the fossil fuel industry. Uh, you've got um, buildings that rely have a heavy reliance or dependence on fossil fuels, and then you've got the um, petrochemical industry that is the offshoot of um, fossil fuels. Yeah. And so you've got um, we we modernism. Uh, uh, should we also tie in with the, with the idea of uh, when um, oil uh, petroleum became was first found. And then found as a resource and what you've done is is kind of like again the modern building industry um is um is in in is in harmony with the fossil fuel industry yeah. and so um and also you know the things like uh, lime and stuff like that is it's um i won't say it'd be freely available but you can't you can't manipulate it you can't make so much money from it so they reject a number of these traditional methods you know what i mean it's um it's something that again they can't control to the extent that they can do with the plastics you know and they can't make money as much money from it and um yeah we've got the i mean um if me and you keep on fighting and we, until the day we die we we keep promoting the idea of traditional uh, materials traditional uh, building methods, traditional architecture, and the idea of that beauty matters. Yeah. Um, even if we don't make a huge impact on the world, whoever we can within our circumference influence and maybe change, then uh, change happens slowly but surely, but slowly but surely, but eventually, you know, you'll get through to the few people and then them few people will go, uh, who's done that? And you'll say, oh, this is what I did. And then it's like spreading the word and all you've really got to do is just try as much as you can just to be like a beacon of um, uh, knowledge and guidance in yeah. your small little area. Because um, to take on the, the big, uh, the big bad uh, modernist sort of like construction industry, you know, you, you, you kind of, uh, you're taking them on too much. So yeah. you do it in a small level and all you can really do is, is concentrate on yourself, uh, believe in what you believe in. And if you believe in that, You'll find other people who will believe in that. And before you know it, a groundswell can just grow and it just takes time, you know. But um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you believe in something, I believe in the same things that you believe in. If you believe in them things, uh, the, the, the worst thing that you can do is, is ever um, uh, bend to the will of others. And that means that you're just going through your life uh, doing other, some, some person's other bidding that you don't believe in. Yeah. And I'm uh, too stubborn for that. I'm too, um, you know, I'm my... I can't accept that. I won't accept that because um, if you don't do something, I'm not. I'm of that uh, um, feeling that if my heart's not in it, I won't do it. And yeah. um, my heart's not in the way that the the way the industry works. And um, I've I've created uh, something of my own where I say this is me. This is what I believe in, and um, I'm going to try my best to earn enough so I can have a decent standard of living, but also uh, inspire other people and maybe change. The system and um i do believe that um in divine timing and yeah. uh, maybe me and you are just sort of like preparing for that time when it comes and yeah. uh, there'll be a need for um voices and uh philosophies and beliefs and uh you know you never know a new sort of like new 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 way i mean um if on the twitter feeds you notice people are um people are starting to sort of like take over car parking spaces and people are sitting outside and the old idea of like being outside and uh, taking over the roads back. I mean, even on a small level, these things have happened and you know, it's um, people again, like the office industry, you know what I mean? The office blocks, you know what I mean? Even the government have said, 
um, you could basically change that from a now from an office into a home. So yes. even the government and the building, the people who own them buildings are even acknowledging that the, the, the idea of an office has become uh, not as strong as it was only four months ago. It's been almost obsolete for a long time. I used to work from home for years and there was no problem. And in fact, I think it's more efficient uh, not going yeah. into the office. It was, it, this is the magic of the internet and emails and things. I think that's, but um, I think that's very good. Uh, I think we should close it down soon. Unless you, I'll give you a finishing, something something you want to say if you want to plug your business too or anything you want to finish no, my man, um, I'm just, it's really nice just to talk about these things because um, I, this is the odd person that you can talk about architecture with, but most people um, don't. don't <laughs> we'll do it again. Really. We can do it again anytime you want. And anytime, actually, man. You're the first one to step forward when I put out the call uh, yeah. for architects. So hopefully you inspire other people to do it maybe too and not be worried about it or think it's going to be, I mean, you know, people can do it anonymously too as well. Yeah, man. Uh, You never know what will come out of this, man. Do you know what I mean? This is the wonderful thing about life. And um, you never know. And it's just a start. And everything everything starts from somewhere. And it's just a progression now. You know what I mean? For you you individually, for me individually. And... uh, you never know what the future holds, but it could be it could be incredible. It could be a nightmare, but um, I refuse to accept that right now. Um, I think it could be beautiful, and I see beauty already happening, even on a sort. Yeah, I think it'll be both uh, nightmarish and beautiful, <laughs> and uh, hopefully has a happy ending. Uh, hey. Yeah, so I think we'll close it there. Hey there. I am. I'm still here. Yeah. Well, since my internet connection's unstable, I better shut it down and record and be done no uh, worries dude so anyways good talking to you kenward and you man thanks Take a lot care of yourself. yeah well hopefully we'll talk again yeah hopefully man okay thanks for thanks for coming on no worries yeah, see you soon see you bye bye